I'm very socially awkward. Like, I feel like I have a lot of social anxiety and I never like message people first, but I was like, I'm gonna message her cause like she's from Jersey and she's really tattooed like me. So I feel like it's like a good safe ground. So I messaged her on Twitter and now we're friends. Yeah, and you messaged me and I was like, oh my God, Louis Stardust wants to follow me and be my friend. She's like a model and so cool and like, and that's why I think this has been so fun because I've kind of felt like I was born to just be myself into whatever I insert myself in. I bring my own unique thing to everything I'm in. I know I'm cringe. I own that. To be cringe is to be free. Being reasonable with your expectations on how things are gonna go, making a structured plan, organizing who's doing different roles and kind of just really balancing those things out behind the scenes make your life a lot easier. Understanding that life. So you always learn things. Louis Stardust and Tori of the Vast are scrybabies. These two best friends have created a fun and entertaining magic gameplay channel that covers not only EDH, but all the major competitive formats. But how do they do it? And what's the creative process behind the scenes? Today, we sit down, have a conversation, and find out. All right, and we are kind of live. I guess we're doing this it's not really live, but we're live right now with Lua, Tori, Scrybabies. How are you folks? We're good. I don't know. I'm speaking for both of us. We're good, right? Always we're good. good. Yeah. Good. Is it is it easy now to talk about things as a team? Like we sym symbiotic, you know, it's just the two of you together. I mean, how how's that dynamic right now? We're just conjoined at the hip. <laughs> like we're, we're literally like, yeah. Um, we'll probably talk about this later, but... Me and Tori have a very, like, similar weird arc. Uh, I had messaged Tori on Instagram when I was living in Virginia and was like, oh, I'm from New Jersey. Like, this is when I first started playing Magic. And, you know, I just wanted to talk to her. And she was like, I used to live in Virginia. So we just had this, like, cool little swap thing. Yeah. Uh, we realized that, like, some of our family grew up in the same town and stuff. So I just feel like it's, we've known each other for two years, but I feel like I've known her my whole life. It's yeah. like the first time we actually got to meet up in person. Uh, Luo was like, hey, I don't know if you like this comedian, Curtis Connor, but do you want to go see him in, uh, in East Brunswick with me? I have an extra ticket. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I do. And I was like, I'll drive you home after so you don't have to take, like, public transportation and, like, save a couple bucks. She's like, yeah, I live right over here. And she lived, like, she lived, like, five minutes from my dad's house. And I was like, you grew up here? She's like, yeah. I was like, every weekend, I was five minutes down the road from you. Our whole lives, we've been five minutes away from each other and had no idea. There's a theory. It's like the red string theory, but it's yeah. about lovers and relationships, and we're just yeah. two best friends on the red, the yeah, red string theory. The red... What is the modified red string theory? I, I am completely unaware of what this it's theory like, is. I saw it on TikTok, but it's, it's that thing where it's like you could have known, like somebody in your life now could have been in your life so long ago because there were so many parallels and they were so close together. Like Tori being five minutes from my house where I grew up, like we could have met years ago and never known that or like yeah, your mom like worked at the grocery store that i went to with my dad every weekend yeah and, like god forbid we ran into each other and knew each other be like what the hell and, yeah like, when lou and i first became friends my sister was like you know Louis stardust i've been following her forever she's like an amazing cosplayer and blah 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 blah, blah. and i was like you know Lua? like what the <laughs> hell like, it was so weird i'm like wow we could have really been friends like our whole lives but now we are yeah so it's very cool that sounds like a great movie idea if 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 you got if you folks get bigger, it'll be Scrybabies the movie, and then someone will have to play. You know how you folks almost intersected when you were younger. Have you thought about yeah. who might play you if, if oh, it was a 
like a young young Lua, young young Tori. I never thought about that. That's actually really funny. Who, well, how about we think of who would play each other? Who would play each other? Oh, that's not fair. I think you would get the girl from. I think it would be. I already have whose picks to play me. Who but... is it? Because I think it's the girl from Euphoria, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Just a young Michelle Pfeiffer. Young Michelle Pfeiffer. How be? How have to be CGI uh, modified or something? Yeah, I, what? I guess, she's, I guess she's a little old for that now. I don't. I don't know. We're getting a, a Zendaya and uh, what's the girl who plays Cassie's name? From before. That's us. Not that you're Cassie, but like, I think that would no, be the no, two no. of them. I wish I was Yeah, Cassie. I think the wow, two of them, that would be you. us. I think that would be it. I haven't watched Euphoria yet. I I hear oh. it's very uh, sexual, very graphic. But I, I, it's, I, I've seen some clips of it, and it's, I mean, I'm not trying to be a prude, but it's a little bit intimidating. I wonder if, are, do you recommend I watch it? It gives me anxiety. <laughs> it is a very, like, yeah. very hard show to watch at times, but I will say that the cinematography and, like, the artistic direction behind it is very beautiful, which is why I like watching it. Um, it's just, like, I'm a sucker for visuals, and the visuals in it are, like, breathtaking. It's very explosive, but it's still very realistic to, like, a lot of high school experiences. Like, yep. a good portion of it was my high school, right? So, yeah. Yeah. With just as good looking people, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. We were there. That's yeah. why. No Everybody had a, a six pack and it was just, you know, amazing hair. And they're all doing that stuff in the bathroom. So it's all good. Yep. So you didn't have to do this, though. I had to like do this in school like with like my spaghetti straps. Like I had to cover. Yeah. Finger roll. yeah the, the skirt thing. The yeah. Skirt roll. Yeah. So do you I don't know if you I, I don't know if this question is for Lua or Tori or both, but do you believe in some sort of fate or predestination? Because you mentioned growing up so close to each other and now you're working together super closely, in, in, content related and, and also friendship. Do you believe that there's some sort of higher power or fate or something that brought you together? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm a very big believer in divine intervention. Um, so I always think that everything does happen for a reason and that like, when one door closes to get another like, everyone says like oh you know one door closes but another one opens like i'm a firm believer like what brought me here is bringing me here for a reason so i'm like super into the whole like this was destined to be like this and it will figure itself out like i'm always always on that train i love that you said that because i was gonna say that and i was gonna be like she's gonna think i'm weird <laughs> so i'm no, really no, happy no, no. <laughs> Absolutely. we we also just like always send each other TikToks. It's like of us being platonic life partners, and like we have a thunderstorm if you hear that. Yeah, um, but yeah, we always make jokes about us being like platonic life partners and like destined to meet each other, and like we'll send each other the like least straight TikToks ever. But <laughs> <laughs> he just got married and had like a, farm a homestead. Yeah. So yep. Like we did this, or you know, like. Steve actually and my boyfriend joked like when Lua moved in he was like oh like I think it's over for me because like me and Lua are going grocery shopping now we're going to home goods I don't need you anymore I've been here for mm. two weeks and we hang out like four days a week yeah, like, yeah. okay wow that 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 is that's uh that that is intense so did the two of you meet initially you mentioned you know messaging each other was it initially through TikTok and noticing one another uh, Instagram you said right or TikTok. Um, it was Twitter. So I, when I started playing Oh, magic, Twitter where magic, everything happens on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. I started playing magic and I was like, I want to find cool people that play. And I went on TikTok and I found, um, Beck MTG girl and I found you and I was like, oh my God, they're so funny. Like, I love a funny girl. Like, so I was just like, 
I'm very um, socially awkward. Like, I feel like I have a lot of social anxiety and I never, like, message people first. But I was like, I'm going to message her because, like, she's from Jersey and she's, like, really tattooed like me. So I feel like it's, like, a good safe ground. Uh, so I messaged her on Twitter. Now we're friends. Yeah, and you messaged me and I was, like, friends with, like, MTG Girl. And I was like, oh, my God, Louis Stardust wants to follow me and be my friend. She's, like, a model and so cool and, like hardcore and then i meet you and you're like i love sweatpants and my mushroom squish melon. i was like my squish okay (laughs) yep yep it's that yeah for sure i think tori you had an interview with drew and you mentioned being good friends with mtg girl aka beck right so is there is there a is there a female magic creators hangout or is it just is it just you all know each other or how, how does that work I've tried to make a Discord for it. It did not pop off. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to make, like, an actual group. But I feel like whenever we have, like, events, or even online, but whenever we have events where we see, like, other girls playing Magic, we're always just, or, like, non-males playing Magic, we're all, like, drawn to each other to be like, oh, my God, like, come play with us, too. Like, yeah, there's more of us. Because it's such a male-dominated space. So whenever we meet other creators, it's like we kind of flock to each other. But... I reached out to Beck off of TikTok because that's where I started doing magic content and saw her content and I was like, do you want to be friends? We yeah. should be friends. It's very inviting. A lot of the um, women and non-binary folks in magic especially like are super, super inviting. We have a very diverse crowd. We have a very large uh, trans community. We have a very large just non-binary community and like every woman that I've also met through magic has been just so sweet and so kind and we've yep. been like so fortunate like uh, not only to share those experiences but we just had a episode drop where uh we played with bobby christina and nat and then uh our other four lady pod was with rachel and lady and i think we were saying today like we love playing games with everybody but when it's all four women playing it's just a totally different vibe it is it's really special so it's really nice to get to like share that with them and put things like that out as a guy i can also say that it can be magic players I don't know if it's men or just magic players in general, a little bit awkward sometimes, and they don't know how to approach the the non-binary folks or the ladies. Uh, I don't know if that's been your experience because it can be kind of off-putting. Like, I'm just putting myself in my own, like, you know, back in my LGS, right? It's just, it, it can be a little, a little tough because magic players in general, regardless of gender, are just not always the most socially adept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, like, never, like, intended to be, like, backhanded or cruel, but, like, I'll never forget, like, one time I sat down at the LGS and someone was like, oh, are you, like, did you, like, learn to play Magic because of your boyfriend? And I was like, no, we actually met because of Magic, though, which is funny, but, like, no, he didn't force me into the game or strong arm me into the game. And I had somebody at a tournament once when I was with my boyfriend at the tournament they came up to me and were like wow you're such a good sport to come here and watch today and i was like i'm playing the <laughs> event what do you mean like is that, it's like but they didn't mean like anything bad by it i think it was just like not a lot of people or not a lot of like non-males play magic let alone competitive well, magic. competitive magic, so yeah. it's kind of like whoa i think it just doesn't process in their brain that it could be a thing <laughs> like it, yeah. it's yeah and i think that both of you are competitive right because tori you play the non-edh formats lua you are now in the cdh the magical world of cdh so i i assume like that's always been a part of your 
I guess it's hard to ask this question to both people at once, maybe one by one, but like just, just in terms of how do you view, this is such a, a, a terrible term, but how do you view like casual versus competitive magicus outlets for, for you? I, I, I guess there's kind of a multi-layer question as a, yeah. just as a magic player and then also as a content person. I think like I always say when I go to play EDH, I'm going for like a fun experience and then the gameplay. And then when I go to play CDH, it's like I'm there for the gameplay and also the experience, right? Um, so that's where I kind of like separate the two. I feel like as competitive as EDH is, it's still very, very social versus not that like 60 card isn't social. Like I think there's a lot of personality behind that too. Um, but I think it's like significantly different to sit down and play a competitive game with four people versus a one-on-one, -on -one, right? Um, but I enjoy them. I've been enjoying watching Tori do a lot of them too. Um, I, I don't know what your experience is. I think the best part about it though is like sitting down at a table and knowing that everybody's expecting the same thing. Like everybody's gonna go the hardest. Everybody's gonna like play decks that are at the same level. Um, you're more familiar with the decks that are being played because there's not a lot of like janky brews. I mean, there's definitely fringe decks and stuff like that, at least with CDH, but you kind of know what to expect versus like, I'm playing this uh, $50 budget brew that's like made of cards you never heard of. And like, I love those too, but it's nice to have like something to expect at the table. Yeah, I agree. Um, my whole viewpoint on like competitive magic and casual magic is when I want to play magic for fun, I play commander because that's where I get to have fun. That's where I get to talk to people. We get to make jokes. I get to play stupid cards like Coral Eel that is not playable in any other format. Um, and then when I want to win and, you know, excel at my skill level is when I play competitive magic, mostly modern, um, beginning coaching in that as well. Uh, I think they're both vastly different worlds. Like, CDH is still competitive, but I think, like, the pressure with, like, competitive magic in, like, limited formats or, like, constructed formats, I guess you could say, is, like, that path to the pro tour. I think one of my favorite things about it is, like, when I was talking to, like, Sikenik about this, it's, like, he told me something really spectacular was, like, anybody can be in the pro tour because there's no like thing barring anybody out of it and i think it's something so like cool because when you sit down to play those games you're like okay i'm gonna play to win and i'm gonna do the best that i can and then try to get to this rcq and then maybe this rc and then maybe i'll make top 32 to get invited to the holy shit the pro tour the best players in the world are all here um which is like something just mind-blowing to me but to me that's not like a it's still fun it's still fun, but it's not the same as like sitting down with my friends and being like, there's my Yargle and Multani deck. Like, <laughs> let's have a cheese board and some beers and play magic. Yeah. So, yeah. But with content, I think that's something that we're actually been focusing on is uh, I feel like we have a very large crowd that watches or that plays Commander and shies away from the idea of trying new formats, especially 60 card, because they are viewed up sometimes as like, very grindy, very competitive, there's no room for fun, where, like, some of the most fun I've had is playing, like, Popper, especially on, like, the Prof Show and stuff, and they still have room for, like, fun and good conversation, so part of our show is, like, showcasing, like, there is a lot of fun in a format, like, Pioneer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the problem. I, I moved into a new place, and I just don't have a, a proper recording studio. I'm literally sitting at my kitchen table while the laundry machine and these things are gone, just closing the door. So we I apologize. Know. All two elves, yeah. babies and episodes, except for like two are filmed in my kitchen. 
it's I don't know I, I don't know if you have any audience feedback on that do, do people like the kind of authenticity of the environment or just that things are not because I mean I guess the gold standard would be obviously game nights or even prof stuff but do you feel pressure to have to be in that mode or you or is it good to do your own thing and just be kind of have a fan in the background like a kitchen in the background and that kind of thing I think it's a little of both. Like we, we're literally playing kitchen table magic. Yeah. Like it exists. Um, I think there's definitely days where you know we can get in our own heads about the the quality versus like, uh, or at least the quality of like the sets and the cameras and the things that we can't get right. Um, but that's not like our main goal. Our main goal isn't to be like the next game nights or to do something else. Like our goal has been to showcase the formats like we were saying that don't get showcased enough to create a diverse and inclusive space um there isn't a lot of gameplay channels on youtube with women-led shows period there really isn't um there's a lot of like women on streams there's a lot of women who um, have other like communities on twitter and stuff but not like producing things on youtube um and there's also not a a very diverse it's a lot of white men which don't get me wrong i love white men but it's it's a lot of that so we wanted to make something that was diverse yeah. we wanted to make something that was uh a little different and fun because we wanted to showcase those formats because you never really see the two mixed on channels um but we just wanted to we we started talking about this a, a bit ago um I would say within the first year of us being friends, we were always like, oh, if I ever made a show, it would be with you because, like, yep. you're be the, you're so fun. We love you, like, back and forth. And I had texted Tori in September, and I was like, we need to change this. Like, there's not enough women doing stuff. We need to change this. And you automatically were like, let's go. What are we doing? And we just started going back and forth yeah. in text messages, uh, coming up with names, planning everything. And we recorded our first episodes in December and had them out for January. So that's like only a couple months. Like, even though we premeditated a little bit, we did everything very fast to launch the show. And I'm I'm really happy with the quality of it. The best thing ever, too, yeah. was like, just a side note to like, things just like snowballing so quick was like, we were actually both in Portland because we were going to play on Tularane Community College. And we were like, all right, we got the name. I'm going to draw us a logo. I drew the logo. I was like, let's go. We have a logo. We got a name. And we were like, we should, like, announce it somewhat soon. And then we can, like, you know, tell people, try to get some hype around it. And then, like, let them know, like, we're going to make a show. And we told, I think, two people about it. And someone messaged me and was like, oh, my God. I was on, like... Louis uh, streamed the other night and she was talking about Scrybabies or said something about it. He was like, yeah, Louis was talking about like her Patreon or something about Scrybabies. Like, I'm so excited. So I was like, oh my God, Louis announced it. I forgot to. So I shared a post on Twitter and was like, yeah, we're starting this project. And everyone's like, Scrybabies is you guys? That Twitter account is you guys? And you were like, oh my God, you just like went live on accident. And I was like, shit, I wasn't supposed to do that for a month. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh my God, that account's you guys. Like, when are you going to put out your content? When are your episodes coming? And I was like, Oh, I guess we gotta start doing this thing right now. Talk about accountability, eh? It's just, yeah. it just, it just come, it just, it just through the grapevine, and then now people know about it, and, and the mystique is now okay. It's Lua and 
Tori headlining this thing, you know, maybe before it was just a logo and a name, but now it's, it's like, it's thing. real, it's right? Logo, name and some ideas. Yeah. And we were like, All right. I was being cryptic, like, ooh, what is this project? If you yeah, got our earlier like, tweets. She was like tweeting like, oh yeah, like who could this possibly be? Trying to, trying to build mystique. And then in yeah, one yeah, fell swoop, Tori, it just, you just undid all the mystique. Yeah. I was like, surprise, she's like, you weren't supposed to do that yet. I was like, oh. No, but it's okay. It was really, it's, it's nothing could be more us. So I'm very, honestly, that was something I was stoked about with like the feedback of the two of us too has always been like we were asking people when we first started filming like what's something that you guys want to see from like me and Lua and everyone's like we would watch you like macaroni like necklace at finger paint like the two of you are fun to watch together like we don't give a shit what yeah. you do as long as you two are both playing something or doing something well we're also like not that I, I don't know anybody else personally in their lives with channels but like we're we're actually good friends right yeah. so I think that makes a a lot of difference because our chemistry and like our sense of humor is very similar and so it makes it really easy to bounce off and like have a good time with our whole table that that's what i wanted to ask actually is when i watch the scrybabies the the final thing that comes out the the videos i feel like there's a kind of and now it's more clear to me after talking to you folks today is there's a kind of just the chemistry just a vibe that you can't really fake i was going to ask if you did maybe a hundred takes because you could theoretically fake the vibe if you, if, if you, cause it seems like you're completing each other's sentences a lot, not only here, but also in the videos. And I'm wondering if it was some sort of magic editing or something where, you know, oh. you, there was a, there were a hundred takes and you found the best take. I, yeah, I don't know what it is. Funny is we actually have all, the only time something is re-recorded is if the gameplay was messed up on the table. Right. So if the gameplay like, was flubbed. Okay. Yeah, like someone's like, oh, I was, I'm going to cast this. Oh, wait, I used the wrong color, man. And we're like, all right, take it back. Yeah. But like everything else, all one take. We turn the camera on, it rolls, and then that's it. It's, yeah. so, it's so organic, so raw. We are 90s babies who love to make jokes about references from stuff we like, pop culture stuff. And I think that's just like why we bounce off so good because we have the same sense of humor. And I like, speak in movie. Quotes yeah. Constantly, yeah. So. so don't say all the time. Movie quotes. Okay, so okay, I want to I want to explore this a little bit because I know that Lua is a horror films lifer, right? I, I don't know, Tori. Are you also into the horror films genre? Are you into other things, or is there any kind of intersection or anything there? Uh, I don't really watch a lot of horror, but it's funny because, like, my favorite movie ever is considered a horror film, which is The Lost Boys. Um, I like a lot of, like, cult classic movies, mm -hmm. old stuff. Um, so, like, my- f and I, like, watch, like, a lot of movies that people I feel like have never seen in their lives. Like, my favorite movie is, like, finally on Hulu right now, and I'm like, oh my god, The Birdcage starring Robin Williams is on HBO. It's, like, my favorite movie, and everyone's like, what the hell is that? Um... And I'm one of those people who watches just, like, old, like, Chevy Chase movies, like, old 90s, like, funny, stupid shit. We're also, like, the major anime person. Like, I love anime, but Tori's, like, up here with, with especially One Piece, but definitely, like, anime is for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I do love One Piece. Yeah. I have One Piece Witness. A Luffy's <laughs> is, Witness. Is, is One Piece the greatest of all time for you? Yes. No, okay, no, just, no, just, no, just, just no hesitation. It no is the, the goat. It is the best work of fiction, I think, that has ever been created. 
Close. You have you Close spoken to Kess Wiley about this? Because I had him on Humans and Magic, oh, and he went off for like again. twenty minutes about how One Piece is the greatest literature ever. It's the modern day Odyssey and all that stuff. It, it is the best. It is the best. Uh, I'm a big. I'm not spoiling anything. Just just that. No. Yeah. Spoilers. I mean, it's my favorite thing ever. I started reading it in February last year. I got caught up in like seven months, and that was me doing content and working. But the show's like 20 years long, so you managed to consume all that and just catch uh, I up? I read it. So the manga reads very fast, um, so it's way easier to read it than to watch it. So I'm current with the manga. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I was always like, there's no way anything's ever going to, you know, beat my favorite anime of all time, which is Neon Genesis Evangelion. But I was like, yes, I'm going to try One Piece. And now I'm like, every time people talk about it, I'm like, where are you right now? How do you like it? What are your theories? Like, oh my god, because it's just so good. I'm laughing because when you said Kess, I just remember at MagicCon Philly, we went to a dinner with Kess and Rissick Study, Sam, and a few other people. And Tori was like across from me and Kess was on my left. And all of a sudden they just start going off about One Piece. And me and fucking, <laughs> me and Sam just make eye contact and we're like, we picked the wrong seat. <laughs> Listen, I'm like, you yeah. like fiction, you like, you know, reading all this old <laughs> shit, everything that you need for history. I'm like, you got to read the, the best work of all time. And I tell everybody, don't you want to be caught up when the best ending ever airs? You want to be able to watch? I'll just look at the end. It's too much for me. You wouldn't understand. It's okay. I, I don't need Well, it must be tiring hanging out with One Piece fans because, I don't know, I, of the two people I know now, which is Tori and Kess, who are obviously huge huge fans they're just they just use every opportunity to just tell you how amazing it is oh, yeah. it's it's the greatest thing ever created i walk around sometimes in a crowd and i'll be like oh, one piece <laughs> anyone? anyone it's someone it's not like i like long shows and i like following stuff it's just way too much for me but i'm so happy that you have it Thank we'll you. never watch it yeah so lua what's your what's your what what is your all-time horror film I feel like I'm embarrassed to not know this because I haven't listened to oh, your podcast in the past. I'm a big Lost Boys fan. Uh, I would say mine is definitely Scream. I'm a big fan of like horror that makes fun of itself, uh, like Cabin in the Woods. Those are my favorites. Um, I like, it's really hard because there's so many genres and type of horror films that I have a hard time with it. But I love a good like sleepaway camp type of style, like a campground horror story. Um and I like a lot of psychological thrillers too. So like, um, gosh, what, The Lodge was a lot, but that was really good. One. So I'm just into all genres of horror. I grew up watching horror, so it's just kind of become like a part of me where I'm just very desensitized to it. Yeah. I love that I'm older than the two of you. I was born in the 80s. And so when you say old classes like Birdcage, what is that? Or maybe even someone's not heard of Scream. Like I grew up on that stuff, yeah. and it's just, it's just, Scream was just so seminal for its time. I still mm -hmm. remember when I, I don't know if you guys were alive back then, but I remember when Scream was in the theaters. It was just, it was just an event because horror movies were just kind of, kind of not mainstream. We're kind of in the dumps for a while, and then that whole thing with Drew Barrymore being in it and just having that twist just kind of brought things back or that in final destination like a lot of that oh stuff gosh, yeah. it was just it was just at the time it was just uh i know what you did last summer you know mm -hmm. like a lot of that stuff was very seminal for me i wasn't born in the 90s but i i basically live in the 90s so a lot of yeah. the 90s stuff's just hitting hard movies is the fog the original yeah those are great 
I'm like, ah. a big, um, I grew up with, I always tell people, I grew up with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and an N64, and that's like my entire personality, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is really good. But yeah, we got a lot of really great horror in the 90s and the 80s and stuff. So I'm just, I'm very blessed to live in a timeline where there's good television and good like things to read and enjoy. Does that mean you embrace the kind of horror elements and magic? Does that really draw you in or is it not? It, is, it does, right? Yes. Uh, I, I've always, I don't really have like too many like spooky themed decks, but when I started playing, we actually started playing magic around the same time. So we started playing right before Cal Time came out. Um, so when they came out Crimson Vow, that was like the first like and, and Midnight Hunt, that was like the big spooky thing. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this. It's Dracula. Like I'm a huge Bam, Bram Stoker Dracula fan too. Um, so all those elements I thought were so special. And like when we think about things like Universes Beyond and, and, and pop culture being brought in that way, I think it's so cool. I think it's really special. Yeah. But I'm definitely into the horror. I think Tori's just waiting for the One Piece uh, extended yeah. universe for magic, right? There's a lot of a lot of things that I like that are kind of eclectic. Like my favorite magic card right now is like a Modfly altar I got of Ural as the Philly fanatic because I'm like a big sports fan. Yeah. So that's the other side. There's like the weeb side, and then there's me who like we call it like my nickname at MagicCon was like Uncle Tori because I love sports Uncle Tori and all things Uncle. Thanks very much, that. You mentioned kind of the 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 genesis of Scrybabies and just kind of on a whim, you want more visibility for non-binary folks, women to lead and headline a show because I know what you said. I mean, obviously there are always players in this demographic now in commander shows, but you want to lead a show. So I want to know how the two of you complement each other, not as friends, but as content creators, what are kind of the different skills and mindsets that you bring together in the Scrybabies experience? We definitely have different roles behind the scenes for sure. Tori is way more organized and structured and like uh, is very good with like everything financial <laughs> as well as organization. You're also our artist for everything so we have a patreon where she does um different art every month for our stickers mm -hmm. and tokens and you could talk about that and i mean i'm very hyping you up but i want you to say what you're doing uh yeah so i handle all of the bookkeeping in the back end because i work in accounting and finance uh as my nine to five because i do have a nine to five job um and i do all of our bookkeeping and i also do custom tokens custom stickers i do all of our logos our thumbnails for youtube uh, any flyers or any promotional material that we need, like, uh, done, I draw or I create on my iPad. Um, and then you handle a lot of the social media as mm -hmm. well as, I guess, I want to say, like, marketing as far as, like, branding yeah. us. Like, put, like, bring us out and you do a really good job of presenting us as like you want to work with us like what mm -hmm. we're bringing to the table we are this a lot of thing finding brands working with brands marketing social media um i also like we agree on the guests that we have but i i try to be like this is the correct pod this will bring like the best energy so i think i do a lot of curating for that um as well as just kind of like trying to set the vibe like we should play this type of game this will be good um, we definitely bounce ideas back and forth for sure. And like, I think with that, um, I've been doing content online since 2012. So, and, and you've been doing, I don't know how far, 
how long in general? A couple years, right? Couple years. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so I think we we both have different markets. Like you're very focused on short form content and TikTok. Um, I handle more of like the Instagram thing, and then we both meet on Twitter. So we have different personalities and experience with multiple platforms. Um, but also just like generally, we were both streaming too, so we're very good at like um curating a crowd and and talking to people very well so i think together it makes like a little perfect thing because everything i don't want to do tori's already really good at so it makes our lives a lot easier yeah definitely and i feel like did it just naturally come like did this naturally just come about or did you sit down and have conversations like okay this person does this this person does that a little of both like i think in the beginning there was a few things that were like okay um we have like queued up posts that we do for the week but then each of us takes a day to like do our own posts on our um scrybabies pages just to make it feel like it's more personal uh because it is personal like it's us posting um but in the beginning i think there was like a couple things where we're like okay i'm gonna do stuff these days you're doing stuff this days everything's covered but now that we're finally in the same state too that makes it a lot easier to be like okay we can have a weekday meeting and delegate different roles on top of what we're already doing because it's it's a lot of work we both have technically full-time jobs that aren't scrybabies we have to fulfill patreon needs um on top of just our own independent like sponsorships as content creators too and then everything else it's a lot to manage and personal lives and relationships like it's a lot of things to do so i think we do enough work separately where it leaves our life balanced which is nice yeah and it's also awesome because we're both so like spontaneous but then organize each other like we'll both refugees off each other and be like okay let's calm down let's bring it in and let's put this on paper and talk about what we want to do with it Mm -hmm. like we'll call each other in the middle of the day and be like i had such a good idea for a shirt what do you think about this and you're like wow that would be such a good sticker well why don't we order that sticker for june then we'll do this for july and then we're like okay yeah let's calm down reel it back and do this but we're so good at like making these ideas we have like work yeah, we also, like, before I moved here, would be on the phone, like, three, four times a day, uh, which is now replaced with us, like, hanging out during the week, which is, is really nice to physically be together and, like, make this thing happen, so. Yeah. And, like, we're both so good at, like, executing ideas with, like, I'm gonna do this, and, like, even in, like, our episodes, like, I usually crack jokes all the time. You always, like, have great reactions to, like, whatever bullshit that I'm doing or something else that's going on. Uh, so it just, like, feeds off each other super well. Even with, like, our ideas for things coming out, like, I'll just be like, I have this really dumb idea, and you're like, let's do it. I have a costume ready to go. So it's it's just great. Yeah. Do you have any advice for creators that are trying to collaborate long-term? I'm not talking about a one-shot where, hey, I invited Lua and Tori to do a, a recording together, but to have a kind of long-term content strategy together do you have any advice for maybe people two or more people that are trying to to do something like this i think it's a lot of uh planning i think it's a lot of communicating and making sure that both of our needs are heard um you know we we both know that edh does the best on our channel but we both enjoy playing those comp formats and we want to make sure that those are showcased and it's important to both of us, right? Like Tori's super into modern and 60 card formats like CDH is very important to me. Um, so that was like a early conversation just as an example where we were like, this is a thing we want to do. How can we balance that without like making us very poor out of pocket because of the cost of everything? Uh, I think being reasonable with your expectations on, on 
how things are going to go and making a structured plan that can very much go wrong, but at least going in with a plan, uh, giving yourself a few months before your launch, organizing who's doing different roles and kind of just really balancing those things out behind the scenes make your life a lot easier. Even then, I feel like we started this, we started talking about this in September. We really started it hardcore in December when we started filming and like our Patreon was already growing and stuff. But even then, I feel like there's been a lot of changes in structure on how we're doing things now versus then. Mm -hmm. And we still were already making content years before and like understanding that life. So you always learn things, I think. Um, I think another good thing is that if you're going to go into a project with other people outside of just yourself, you definitely need to have like that passion there. Mm -hmm. Like if it's just looking, something you're looking at is like, I want to do this because I think we're going to make money out of it. You're out. It has to be something that you relatively, like, actually enjoy doing because yeah. it's a lot of work, especially, like you said, like, up front. Like, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of, like, mulling over ideas and being like, do I want to do this? Well, what's, like, going to happen with this? Are people going to like this more? Um, and then also, as far as, like, uh, like, relationships go, like, you need to make sure that the people that you work with are like-minded in your passion, but also people who you can be comfortable with in a business sense because mm -hmm. it is a business you know like we're best friends we're really good friends but we're also fortunate that we can have a friendship as business partners where we do have a line of communication we're both really good at being like hey uh you know i need you to step in this week and do this because i'm going to be busy with this so would you mind posting more on here or you know like hey i feel like maybe we need to fill in more episodes with people that i want to put on this side or i want to shoot with this person really bad we try to put that person in instead of this person and it's never something that either of us take personally which is what's mm -hmm. important it's like we're just bouncing ideas to have our needs met so you have to make sure that you have that relationship with somebody where you can have these talks because sometimes it's hard especially when you're handling money you know yeah. uh and then my biggest advice to anybody starting out is start bookkeeping immediately because we were keeping like track of like yeah i bought a camera i bought a camera i bought some mic stands okay i got a couple batteries i used some of the money i had from patreon to pay for you know, the stickers that we need for this con. And then about two months ago, like we were saving receipts and stuff, but I sat down and was like, I'm going to get every receipt, every expense and everything we've ever purchased and put it in a spreadsheet and put it in a document and start doing full hardcore bookkeeping because that is important with your taxes, your income, and also just tracking like where you at, where your budgets are with the show, especially with like a show that is like a live gameplay. Um, I feel like people often think like, all right, I bought cameras, I have a space to record in, I'm good. But they don't realize there's a lot more to it, like paying for memory cards, Google Drives, like your merch, your Patreon rewards, traveling to shows, traveling to Magic Cons and things like that. And seeing that number of like, okay, we have this much in budget for this month. What do we want to do with it? Now we can do something more grand. We can fly somebody out for the show. We can do this, we can do that. Uh, so that's huge. That is definitely a huge thing. Even if you're a solo creator, honestly, I recommend people do bookkeeping for everything. <laughs> Business. I can life. sort of, no, this is, this is exactly what's interesting to me at least because I have been involved in business ventures or startups, maybe in a software sense. But to me, it sounds very similar to just a startup. Like you, you, you have a group of people who hopefully have similar values and it's just, or maybe like being in a band, I don't know, like what the analogy is. 
it's just so hard to stay together through thick and thin, at least in my experience and also experiences of those friends around me, because one of the biggest challenges I think is that kind of sustained motivation, which I think you folks touched on. The, the, the positive aspect of having someone to do it with is that you can encourage each other. But in my experience, it's also been tough at times because of potential friction, creative differences. And so I'm wondering how the two of you navigate that because I don't think any partnership is perfect, even uh, whether it's romantic, business, or otherwise, or even friendship. There's bound to be some friction from time to time. You are two different people. You have different points of view. So how, how do the two of you reconcile those kind of things when they come up? Yeah, I don't think there's been like anything that's been like so set in stone with us where we weren't flexible to accommodating the other person. Like, yeah. I think every time something's come up, we've either been like, uh, we've come to an agreement by giving a little bit of what both of us want or we're already on the same page for a lot of it. I think it's a bit of navigating what is going to make us happy versus what is good for the channel. Yeah. Um, and that's that part's a little bit hard uh, because we're very passionate about what we want to do. But obviously, like, it, it it's a financial thing, right? Yeah. So that's a hard – it's a hard conversation to have, but it, we're realistic about it and we understand that. Exactly. Like – I feel like even as far as things with like being busy and delegating tasks, like this month, uh, Louis moving in. So moving into Philly, she was like, you know, I'm going to be offline because I'm not going to have my PC for like a couple weeks. Would you be able to handle these things? And I'm like, absolutely. Because I also know that like you're, you are very busy and you have my back in anything. And even mm -hmm. like this year, I'm in, I'm a bridesmaid in three weddings this year. So I have every weekend booked until September or October. So those weekends that I was not doing something, I am filming or doing Scrybaby stuff. And Blue has been an excellent help of knowing like, hey, if you have this free weekend, cool. If not, it's cool. So we're both really good with that. And like you were saying with like realistic expectations, like if there's ideas we have that are hard to talk about or like, ooh, you know, uh, for example, it's like, oh, maybe we need to focus this month on another Commander video because the views on you know a game like legacy they weren't really there and not that the views matter to where like all we care about is views but if it's not profitable and advertisers you got to take that into account for sure yeah, and yeah. if the advertisers aren't happy with the viewership you know you pay money for an ad slot and if only you know three thousand people see it as opposed to fifty thousand you know i can understand why you're bad um, so we have those conversations where like hey you know the legacy game we might want to do might have to take a back seat but it's never personal and that's the yeah. thing that's we hang on to and the other thing is too is like the two of us don't edit our videos so we pay editors to do that um and so pretty like everything from the beginning of scribe babies started out being out of pocket um we don't like we're not making a ton of money and like thriving and you know jumping in money piles and, and it's not that but we just want to make sure that everything we're putting out is covered Yep. And that we're not going into negatives, but we still want to make sure we're doing the things that we're passionate for and why we started doing this is, is the main thing, yeah. which is an easy thing to agree on. And we have a very easy time doing it anytime there's like any sort of, um, I don't know what the word would be, but like anytime there's like a, not a miscommunication, but something that's up, we have a very easy time assorting that, I think. I think the two of you are lucky in a lot of respects because a lot of the time people just start working together 
without being friends or really knowing each other. And then through the process of working on this third video or something, they figure out, oh my gosh, this might not be a great fit. It's like kind of going into marriage without the dating first. Yeah. But I think it's good that the two of you have some sense of, obviously there's already a kind of credibility because you know that this other person has already done content on a, on a fairly successful scale. You know that it's almost like being friends is kind of an ongoing, this sounds so strict, but it's almost like there's already an interview process. Like this person meets a bar for, for doing this, this person, she knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. So, so, so we're good. So there's no, there's no questions about that. And it sounds like by kind of, uh, being an equal partner, being equal partners, there's similar skin in the game so that there, it, it isn't like one person is only doing this like two hours a week and the other person is doing it for 50 hours a week. That creates a lot of problems, right? So there's kind of the personality work fit, but there's also kind of like the equal investment, which is, I think is really essential for a good partnership. Definitely. Yeah. Especially like we were saying too, like, oh, you feel like you're doing two hours. You feel like you're doing 50 hours. And I think that's also something that comes into like, the skill sets we each have like it's something important to say like you know lewis spends a lot more time on social media than i do and does a very good job of doing that and there's days where i'm like ah oh, shit i feel bad i wasn't like tweeting as much or i wasn't in discord as much and then she'll be like hold on hold on you drew like three pictures this month and that's still like a lot of time and something that's like you know i can't do and like would have to have somebody else do or like all of the bookkeeping like there's still like, even if it only takes me an hour, it's still a huge skill that like, not that you're not good at it. No, I'm not. But <laughs> you're like, you're like, no, that's me. That you can do that for yeah. me and I'll take care of the thing that I'm, you know, yeah. very Right. Good Divide at. and conquer. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. And like you were saying, like, as far as having like that test run, I think one of the things that like we both realized we clicked about and would be able to do the show is like, aside from just our personalities and like our friendship, we both have a very strong work ethic. Mm -hmm. where we're both very hardworking, we're both constantly doing something, we're chasing a dream or like working on a project and pursuing it at like 110%, like full steam ahead. So to see you like working super hard on all that and you see me working super hard yeah. and all that, we just know like you're not someone who's going to be like, I'm all in and then be out. Yeah, I never worry about Tori like not picking up the slightly like, there's never a thing yeah. where it doesn't feel like an equal partnership it always feels equal it feels like our workload is good it feels like it's very easy to communicate when something isn't good and it's very easy to fix the things like there's never been a moment where i've been like i'm so frustrated working with tori today She's like it just hasn't been like that for me um and there's been times even where like I'm hard on myself and she's really fantastic at picking me up. There's like a day where we filmed on set and I was so overwhelmed with like how a game went and we like cut the footage and we had to reshoot something. Um, and I was like outside crying because I was like, I messed up the game. Because I'm a very emotional person. And like Tori comes outside and she's like talking to me and then we just got back to it. So I think we, because we are such good friends, we understand each other's needs in a different way than somebody who is just maybe just a business partner. So yeah. it's really nice. I want to dig into this. Where does that work ethic come from for, for each of you? Uh, <laughs> I grew up in a very like middle, like lower class uh, family. And so I've had to grow up really quickly and have had to work very, very hard early. Um, 
And so for me, it was never an option to not do that. Um, it It's, I hate the mindset of being like, the grind life like you have to just keep grinding and you have to keep doing this to the point yeah because nowadays people kind of glorify that it's, or it's, it's trivialized it's mentally yeah. like but i'm that person that's like if i'm not working i don't feel fulfilled if i don't um uh, if i'm not passionate about what i'm doing then i don't want to do it anymore but i will do the thing until i'm at the lowest point where i'm like i can't fix it it's not doable um but for me it's always been i have to do this thing and because of that i want to be the best that I can in it. And it's not like I'm going to be the best magic player ever, but I want to be the best magic player I can be. And I want to be the best, you know, uh, voice in the community that I can be for other people. Like those things are so important to me. So I don't know. I just, I don't think I could be a person that wasn't passionate about that or didn't want to work hard because then what's the point to me? Yeah, I agree. And it's about bettering yourself, right? Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily comparing yourself to everybody mm -hmm. out there, but just about how can I maximize who Lewis Stardust is mm -hmm. as a person? Yeah. And I mean, I've been, I've been working since I was 14 years old and I'm 31 now. I got my first job because I was like, I'm bored and I want some extra money to go buy anime figurines at Suncoast or a manga here <laughs> and there. And I started working at a restaurant. And I was a bus person for years, and then I eventually became a sous chef and worked there through college. Um, and after I graduated college, like even on my like in between like semesters, I'd sometimes have three jobs at a time. Same. I would be working in a motel in the morning, uh, cleaning cleaning rooms because I worked in a beach town, and then at nighttime I would throw on an apron and I'd be in the chef with my chef in the kitchen all night. And I just really always enjoyed working, kind of same as you, where I always felt like I need to be doing something, I need to be giving something my 110%, and I need to find what it is that I'm like passionate about, that I want to keep doing, and it was never like a chasing the dollar type thing, it was always just like, I like having something to be proud of, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I think this has been so fun, because every job I've ever had, like even when I went to, high school, or when I went to college, like I never really found like a a career to chase that was like this is my dream job this is my favorite thing in life like born to do this i've kind of felt like i was born to just be myself into whatever whatever i insert myself in and whatever i i bring my own unique thing to everything i'm in i like that you're you saying know? That. like that's how i feel about it yeah. like when i worked at the restaurant everybody loved to see me in the kitchen because i was just silly funny singing songs you know flipping chicken cutlets here and there <laughs> When I was in the motel, I would be blasting music and, you know, having fun making towel animals for kids. Like, I always just tried to put myself into whatever I was focusing on or doing and make it, like, a better place to be by me being there. And that's kind of what I try to do with Scrybabies is, like, we do that, you know? Like, we have this cool channel and we bring ourselves there and that's what's new and exciting is, like, us. Yeah. I always say that I'm not just one thing. Um, I think a lot of people focus on, okay, I'm graduating high school, I'm going to college, like, this is my thing. That's never been me. I did the pizzeria babysitting uh, mixed with a chocolate shop that I worked at. Then I dropped babysitting and then I started doing content full time. And then it was the, the pizzeria with an office job for an online head shop and still doing content, like, pretty much full time. So it was that for me as well. But bringing it back to the not just one thing is... I was never a person that was was gonna have the same kind of career path of being like, I know what I wanna do for the rest of my life, I'm happy, 
I am like a, I could do this thing for a couple years and then maybe want to change something, right? Um, I've been doing content for full, full time for maybe seven, eight years now. And I'm super grateful that I get to do it. But it's the only job I've had where I wasn't like, all right, I'm going to get tired of this soon and move on. Like, I feel like I could do it for another 10 years and be happy, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that's important. I think it's important to live, if, if you have the luxury of, of living a life that isn't just one thing and getting to experience different jobs, I think everybody should be required to work in a service industry job. It's the first thing, like, absolutely. And I think those types of things really shape our personalities, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kitchen, kitchen hardens you. Yeah, the hardens kitchen does. Hardens your scales. I I hate to name drop, but when I talked to Josh Lee, I'm going to do it anyways. When I talked to Josh Lee Kwai, he had worked in the restaurant industry for years, right? Before going to show business. So he was telling me exactly what you folks just said, which is everybody needs to work in the restaurant or service industry. You just develop so much empathy for other people. You just have this whole level of understanding for others and just how to have interactions with customers quite frankly mm-hmm. that if you're just in a, a cubicle you just never really learn yep. yeah. so just by the nods i can i can yeah, sense you know. guys <laughs> agree with that. you live that yeah and then even like my major in college uh i actually have a degree in sign language interpreting and i was just thinking about that in my head that's so funny <laughs> sign language interpreting and that was a long three years of my life where I spent my entire semesters immersed in um, deaf culture. So I would go to a bunch of deaf communities and talk with people from nearby, um, like New York deaf clubs they have, Philadelphia deaf clubs, uh, even in New Jersey. And I was exposed to like a world I would have never dreamed of knowing about if I had not like taken this, you know, these classes. Uh, and it just goes to show, like, certain parts of your life just, like, opened so many doors. And I feel like everybody should always work in a kitchen and learn another language because you just find out so much stuff. I think I also have the sense that the two of you are just naturally curious by nature, right? Mm-hmm. Just wanting to explore new things. Because even though creators come from all walks of life, I feel like that is a kind of constant that... Uh, that that sort of bonds creators in a way, right? There's always the search for the for the new thing. Of course, you have to kind of balance it by, you know, at some point you have to like buckle down and do the content. But you do have you do need to have this sort of variety of interests, which is fascinating to me because I also feel like sometimes in content, people want you to just define your yourself by I am X, like I am a One Piece fan, I am a model, I am a EDH channel, right? But in fact, there's just so much more to life than that. And it's really hard to express that. But it, it, it's almost like society and people, consumers of content want us to pigeonhole ourselves. Yep. But it's just, it's difficult, right? That balance. But what you're saying is literally what Scrybabies is, right? Because yeah. we're a Magic the Gathering channel, but most Magic the Gathering channels are, you know, except for like Prof and like a couple people, yeah. they're so focused on an individual format or like an individual thing. And we're trying to like make sure that we're showcasing everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a reflection of us maybe is that we, we can't just do one thing. <laughs> like No, not at all. Yeah. And it's like funny that you say that because I was having this conversation when I was in Minneapolis, like, I was telling someone like, oh, like one of the reasons I love sports so much is because whenever you go to a sports game or if you even watch sports on TV, you're watching, especially team sport, you're watching a group of, let's say, I don't know, like 20 people on one team. 
You're watching a group of 20 people and their coaches who have all dedicated their lives to this passion that they've had and it all brought them to the same place. And how lucky are we that we get to watch these people perform their passion, the thing that they're born for, right in front of us. And we get to enjoy it as spectators, as fans, as a community. And it's just really cool. Like I love learning about all types of people's passions. I'll watch like random YouTube videos on like deep dives of biographies of people I would never care about just to find out like- I love that stuff too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's just something really cool about just people at their peak performance or at their pinnacle and then coming together, which is, I, I, I do feel like that's, I feel like the two of you are kind of in your prime right now, yeah. right? And, I mean, and there's something very wonderful about two people in their prime deciding to team up because it's not, it's not always about the solo route. It's about, you know, one plus one equals three, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like we're kind of witnessing this in real time, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think like what you just said, like, oh, you know, these people will come together and are all passionate about something like that's also competitive magic. Like everybody that you see in that pro tour is doing their best to try to get that end goal and all come from all different places but all playing the same game with the same thing in mind and it's it's cool mm -hmm. something that i find very admirable about magic is people who are really just like i was born for this i need to do everything i can to to be the best or to get there i do want to talk about the 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 social media maybe the dark side, hashtag business, hashtag algorithm aspect of it. I, I think, first of all, I think it's great that Scribe Babies is not just commander content, not just 100% commander content. But I think we'd be lying if we said that the metrics don't matter. You touched on that, you know, having sponsors, having a certain number of impressions, views, all the typical things that the machine wants you to to promote and to drive. And honestly, that's important because that brings in the ability to continue doing the show. So how do you reconcile that with the purity of wanting to do you know legacy pioneer modern content first of all i want to say i am like a tiny percentage of your size but even as someone with a thousand sus subscribers on my youtube channel my my tiny youtube channel i look at that stuff all the time and sometimes i hate myself for doing it but i always try to see you know the, the video comes out is it is it 10 of 10? Is it one of 10? I'm always looking at the metrics. I'm always looking at the view time. I kind of hate myself for doing it. Honestly, I wish I could turn that part of my brain off, but it's it's inevitable. It's part of the, the thing, the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you kind of, to make this into a question, how do you balance kind of wanting to do things to scratch your own itch versus doing things for results or for a particular audience? It's really hard because if you look at our first episode, the numbers are amazing. It's it's always like that for everybody's first episode, right? It does very well. But we also did CDH for our first episode, which doesn't do as well as regular EDH does. Um, and it's with the spike feeders and they're great, right? So it's just overall like a slam dunk, great first episode. I think it's fantastic. Um, but every video is gonna be different based on runtime, based on ads and all these things we have to consider for people. So with it, it's, it's a really, unpleasant conversation to be like we really have to think about finances versus the thing we're passionate yeah. about um you know we kind of we we don't set like a budget for editing every month but we kind of have like a rough estimate of like what it's gonna be and um overall like 
we we do have a Patreon and then we have sponsors and that's kind of where like Scrybabies gets its funding. Uh, in the beginning, it was a lot of stuff out of pocket. Uh, there is still days where we're paying out of pocket for things for sure, but it's not everything. We we don't get paid for this right now at all. Uh, we probably won't see money for another year or two. Probably for a long time. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's gonna be a bit. Um, but to us, like, as long as it's, like, covering those things, getting edited and put out, that's everything. Um, you know, I'd love to be in a place where we can we could afford more things and upgrade our cameras and do all these things. But as far as, like, having the conversations on what to do, it's, like... It's hard. Yeah. Especially because, like, the way we say it all the time, too, is, like, hell, if I could edit a video and I was able to even edit the 1v1 content, you know, legacy videos, whatever, we would pump out so many more because it wouldn't cost, it wouldn't be, like, cost ineffective. I don't mm -hmm. want to say, like, oh, it costs money, we don't want to do it. But yeah. there comes a line with it being cost ineffective as, like, okay, well, if we have to pay, I mean, like... Well, you got to consider it, right? Because uh, if you're literally losing money on something you put out, exactly. then you got to you gotta think about that, hard. right? I, I yeah. So, and especially with, like, it's different too if like if all the income was like we had no sponsors solely just patreon but let's say we were making like thousands of dollars from patreon a month we put out a video maybe it doesn't do so well it's okay because our patreon's pledges are, it's kind of subsidized, subsidized taken into account here 10 bucks yeah. here so if it doesn't do yeah. well no one's like my five dollars only got you a hundred views whereas like if we have a sponsor who's like hey i'm gonna give you x money per video but i want to turn around from this I'm paying you so I get more views. What gives? This video didn't do well. Now it kind of stinks because it's like, oh, well, you're upset, but it's also like a rough spot because I'm like, of course, I'm upset. I wanted the video to do really well, too. Like, I love yeah. this. I want it to do well. We also just don't, like, have an estimate because if you look at our videos, they're all very different in yeah. size. It's And this is a conversation um, that Joe Johnson talked about pretty, like, publicly a couple months ago. We've had conversations about. Yeah. It's like, we we want to showcase people that we love and like enjoy playing with and think we want them to be showcased but if it's not like some of the people that you see on some of the bigger yeah. shows um you know if we don't have game nights at our table or prof or somebody you know what i mean they're not going to tune it as much as they would for when we have like a higher profile guest i could i guess you say it seems weird saying i don't like to say it like that but like somebody that is more recognized i guess yeah it's hard too because part of the reason we made the show is we're like we want to showcase some great players. You know, we have some really good EDH players. Like, we have some really good, uh, you know, CC card format players. Like, our recent Pioneer episode featured Sam, who was just on the Pro Tour, and our friend mm -hmm. Ryan, who is a, a insanely amazing competitor. They're just player. very good players, yeah. yeah. and, you know, they're not people who are going to, you know, people don't see them at a convention and go like, oh my god, it's Sam for Pioneer, you know? But it stinks because I'm like, oh my god, I was saying to, I can't remember who I was saying it to, I think I said it to you, that the Pioneer video to me had some of the best magic interaction in one of our episodes. Yeah, it was really insane good. to watch. We didn't even speak because of how good the interaction And we didn't play, we were just watching. We were watching, yeah, like, we were commentating. Oh my god, yeah. it was such a good match. And it was like, I'm not gonna lie, I'll say it, like, I was a little bummed out because I was like, ah, oh, you know, I was hoping that people would watch this and either A, like, laugh at a lot of the jokes that they made or enjoy the pioneer content that a lot of people don't see it's not something that people make content around and people just don't really like if i would never say like you don't want to watch my video but like it does stink when people are like ah, i'm not interested in that format i want to be like but what if you were what if you tried it just yeah. watch it it's good and we i mean we haven't been on youtube very long right yeah. like it's june when we're recording this 
so we've been on youtube technically for like six months right so it's it's very fresh we still have a great following we still our numbers like on videos surpass our following which is great yeah um but and we talk about you know we're going to be starting to do additional videos more of like sit downs of us uh doing some stuff in general so we don't know how those are going to do i don't know if they'll do as good as our gameplay videos will but it's still something we want to put out there and getting out more episodes is great right now we're bi-weekly um we cannot afford to be weekly and we also it's a lot of time with people who have full-time jobs right it's a lot um but i don't know i like to talk about long-term future i know we weren't talking about that but my goal for us is just to continue to make the content that makes us the happiest and feels the most fulfilling. I would love, you know, one day to be weekly and maybe have another video weekly. Like, I would love if we could get to that point and and, and do this more full-time. But I'm really happy where we are. And I'm not in a rush to be like, we have to be the the best and we have to quit our jobs and do this. No, no. And that's, I think, the fun part of it, too, is, like, we always say, like, even if we blew up and became this massive thing, like, I would still be like, all right, cool. We're going to have Billy from, like, Bearded Dragon come on the show. He's, like, cracked with this stupid deck. You got to see him play living it, you know? Like, we would never be like, all right, we made it big. Now we're just going to hire all these, like, big creators to come on. Like, that's not us. We're still, like staying true to our roots yeah and we do have friends that are big creators that have been yeah, on our show absolutely. that we want to invite right like it's not like we're saying like oh no not big ones but yeah. we want to make sure that it's still like the core value of the show is there and that we're showcasing the people that we want to showcase yeah we're showcasing for the sure personality, not the numbers behind it mm-hmm. i i always i always think this is worth highlighting because i think for creators no matter what kind of thing you're doing the struggle is very real mm-hmm. like you mentioned joe johnson when I was in LA in December, I had a very long conversation with him about it. I hope he's okay with me t- talking about it because it's not, it's a good, it's a good topic, which is, you know, he talked about how tabletop jocks, um, he wants to do Street Fighter. He wants to do tabletop RPGs, yep. but quite frankly, they just don't do as well. So at some point you have to figure out, I struggle with this on my show. I know that if I do a reduke episode, you have way more people tuning in, mm-hmm. a Brian Kibler, People will tune in. Olivia Gober Hicks, people will tune in. I've done those episodes. But, well, first of all, I can't have them on every week because, <laughs> you know, they're not they're not a regular, right? Yeah. But, but secondly, there's people that I just want to talk to that are just interesting. They kind of scratch my own curiosity and my own wanting to have a conversation with them because something interesting happened to them and I want to just talk about it and sit down and talk about it. But there's always that pressure. There's always that pressure. Like, I should, I need to... I need to get Brian Kibler back on or I need to get uh, Reduke back on and, and that kind of thing. And it's so hard because I, I'm really proud of a lot, of a lot of the interviews I've done, people who are lesser well-known. And I feel like some of those conversations are actually more interesting because they're they're less guarded. And, you know, the thing is when you, when you talk to someone who's more famous, like how can you ask them something that haven't been asked a yeah. hundred times already, right? And, and, and... I, I'm always trying to do something new, and I'm always and I I also joke with Joe Johnson like should I just do EDH gameplay like should I just <laughs> should humans imagine just now be like you know I'll interview you but we'll 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 play EDH and have the cameras roll or something because it it's just I don't fault anybody for wanting to, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't fault anyone for wanting mass appeal because I I do believe that having a Reduke episode or a Kibler episode 
will get listeners into the, my my funnel. Yeah. And so I will then get people who will listen to other episodes, regardless of um, the name, trying to build up that long-term following. But it's so hard because as creators, we also have to have that patience, right? Yeah. And and I think for the two of you, having done it, having having been in the game for a while, you understand the value of patience. But I feel like that is a kind of trap that new creators fall into is like, if I don't immediately, immediately see results, I'm just going to quit. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like you guys are stronger than that, yeah, right? It's a slow burn. And it's one of those things where like, even when we have like a, I don't want to say disappointment, but even if we have the turnout that we didn't want, you know, we wanted something a little bit more. It doesn't discourage us from like doing it again or like saying like, okay, well maybe like in a couple months, if we do another modern video. Maybe with a little bit of adjustments yeah, or, yeah. yeah. We, we change the editing or we, you know. They're bi-monthly bi instead. instead. Yeah. Maybe people will tune in more often for that. And maybe if we play a different deck, people will be like, ooh, I'm more inclined to watch it for this. Like if we did like, I know Prof did like a no ban list modern episode. I'm like, that's funny. Some it's more wild. curated it's games. Like curated. Yeah. yeah, it's silly. And, you know, that's things we've been looking at, though, um, trying to find different types of things for the format. So it's not just EDH. Like, we just filmed Two Headed Giant. We're yeah. talking about doing budget decks, like things that are just a little bit yeah. different and hopefully fun. <laughs> like the guests, like, you know, you're like, oh, I want to, like, have these people on because, you know, maybe people will be drawn in by this person and then they will watch the other video and be like, oh, wow, that was a really good episode with this content creator who i've never heard of before and it'll yeah. turn them onto that kind of person um it, it does happen yeah. i mean um our most popular video for sure is the lady and rachel uh video that we did and it's like my favorite video we've done it was kind of a dream pod for us i've known a uh, lady for a long time through cosplay and Rachel's just been a very good friend and uh, we knew their chemistry was good together and we knew the four of us would vibe very well. Yeah. Um, and we knew it would do well because it's them, right? Yeah. Um, but even then it's like, it's my favorite. Well, it's them and it's you and it's, it, that, yeah, that combination that's, that's is like it's unstoppable. It's, you know, Lady and Rachel and it's the top performing video. It's my favorite because the chemistry that we had, the conversations we had, the gameplay, like eating pizza after, like those yeah, types of things. It like great. it's nice because when we're old and we look back on stuff, I can like, I'm the kind of person if I like smell something or hear something, it brings back the memory so well and getting to like showcase all these games, we could think about like, oh, remember that time that like Baron and Gavin came over, we did yeah, that and like, like we can think of stuff like that and I think it's really special to have it documented too. Yeah. I don't know, more positives than negatives in, in making content for sure. But we have like our dream for sure. our dream guest like lists and stuff too. Yeah. Is there somebody on that bucket list that you're allowed to say? or uh, or who's... or combinations so i have one dream guest who's your dream guest i know yours is jesse jesse robkin yeah i want jesse robkin on on Scarlet. oh you gotta get Joss, jesse, jesse robkin my, like favorite creator i am such a jesse simp she knows uh, i'm on her twitter all the time like i love you i think you're the coolest person you're such a like inspiration in magic to me especially for like women in magic she's just so cool and i'm yeah. always like i need to get her on the show her and mason clark i love them yeah i just want them on the show i think like a lot of my dream pods have happened um yeah. i filmed with joe which joe is like literally like my brother like we're so close and that was really important to me uh we filmed with quest with the i'm sorry we filmed with quest for the jank lords i was so excited i couldn't say that right they are some of the best freaking people we've ever met ever. and we had such a great time with them yeah. um there's just like a lot of peers in in our community that i really look up to um for the content they do but also the personality that they are 
And I've made so many of those things happen for us already that I'm just more excited to do that. We have a big list. We kind of just list off where people are in the world so we can see if we ever like link up. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're filming soon with our friends at Play to Win, which is like a big thing for me. Um, and we'll just continue to, to get more of our buddies and cool stuff, but yeah. yeah. And it, this will actually probably be out after the episode, mm -hmm. uh, but we're also filming with Nathan Stoyer this month and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, very interesting. I think he's good at magic. A little bit. Yeah. Good. He might be okay. I yeah. think he might be half decent at magic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he actually was talking to me about one time him and uh, one of our friends was like, oh, I want to be on Scrabby music. And I was like... Lua, the best player in the world, wants to be on our show. Oh my god! Yeah, you can come over. No big deal. I'm just gonna be like this the entire time. Like, uh oh, yeah, can't misplay here. Not that you you need my suggestions, but since you invoked the name, I might as well just say it. I I am one of the biggest Jonathan Sukenik fans around. I who's not? The first time I ever had an interaction with Jonathan, I just asked him for some help with a legacy deck. This was years and years ago. And he just messaged me and said, let's just jump on a call. And he, he gave me like a one hour workshop masterclass on how to play that deck. Um, and he didn't have to, it wasn't even for like a recording. He just wanted to, to help me. And then I talked to him over time. I interviewed him a couple times. Uh, he ended up being in the Humans of Magic book that I, that I made, which is the tr transcriptions of the interviews because he told me about the whole like Sukenic school of crushing and all that stuff. And he's, he's somebody that I don't talk to him a, a ton, but I just feel like he just always has this joy zest for life. And I feel like he could be, he's good in front of the camera too, I think. So, uh, so that's a suggestion. Not that you have to follow it. We've become really good friends and I'm trying to get him. I'm, I'm working my way into it. Cause I'm like, I think retired from magic kind of, so I don't want to make him like, yeah, I think he's playing some other CCGs, but he, but he did just yeah. qualify for his dream hack. So I guess he's back. Um, but I actually love Jonathan. I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, just like a quick story about Jonathan so we can gush about him real quick, but, uh, let's be quick. I promise. Um, when I went to my first ever dream hack, which was last year, my boyfriend qualified for the RC and was playing and I got really anxious and had this kind of like imposter syndrome. And when I left, I was texting him and I was like, I just felt really weird. I felt uncomfortable today. I don't think competitive magic is for me. I feel really weird. And he said, can I call you? And I said, yeah, I guess so. I'm just sitting at the hotel. Like my boyfriend's playing in the RC, which is lasting for hours and hours. And he called me and to make a long story short, we spoke for hours, but he basically told me that like. I should never have to feel imposter syndrome, especially in competitive magic, because, you know, there's always a space for me there. And even though I haven't been grinding for years or dedicating my life to trying to qualify or play this game for as long as everybody else in the room has, it's still an obtainable thing that I can do at, and anyone can do at any point in their life. And there's no, like, like door that you had to work your way into to get there. He's like, you can just do it. And that's okay. And, like, you don't have to be the best player in the room. You can take your time. You can be happy with just showing up. And, like, it, it's just a very good person, especially with, with magic. It just makes you feel like you are totally allowed to be whatever you want to be in the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you've really internalized that because earlier in this recording, you, you were saying that. Yeah. Like, you know, anybody can can do it, right? So just, just like, that that dream is always going, going to, yeah. to be there. What about folks that you the two of you may not even think are magic players is there some sort of like dream person that 
I don't know, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln or like, or someone alive that maybe just like teach them how to play magic and then they can be on Scrybabies. Is there any, any, any dream guests in that kind of I regard? Keep tagging Brittany. Um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <I keep laughs> the mascot the just for the, is that, is that the, that's the Philly yeah, mascot, uh, right? The flyers. I want Polly D. Jersey we Shore. have said the Jersey Shore. We said Jersey Shore cast would be amazing. Yeah. Um, it's very true to home for us. Yeah. Who would be the fourth? Who would be who if there was a, if this was a pod, who would be the fourth person? Would it be like another like one of Polly D's contemporaries or it's gotta be it's gotta be Vinny. Yeah, it's gotta be the two of them because it's Vinny and Polly because they're like the bros. Oh I'm sorry. I this shows oh, no, how you're out good. of depth. You're I good. Am. Okay. We're, we're we're just we having our thing. Yes. Yeah. We're from Jersey, it's our thing. We have to know it. Um yeah, no, that's for sure a silly thing we always joke about that too like there's always people who are like man i wish they played magic but then there's also people like you wouldn't expect to play magic um like my my friend lights is a musician fantastic in canada plays magic wait you know lights yeah 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 she's really great holy uh, shit we, okay she, yeah yeah i used to listen to her stuff yes. i mean i i haven't yeah very, very sweet human um uh gabriel who was in the last of us uh, plays magic as well. You can see him on Joe Johnson's channel. Super, super nice. Then you have guys like Cassius Marsh who like play football and they're like out here doing magic things. And I think it's really cool because it's like kind of cool to be nerdy now. Yeah. Right. So Absolutely. I like that. That's right. Tori, you shouldn't have thrown away all your manga. You mentioned that uh, on another, in another interview, right? You, you use your hard earned money to buy some manga and it wasn't cool at the time so you kind of threw some away is that what happened uh, i got bullied really bad and i donated it all to my local library well at least i got donated oh okay well it's it's, it's I, I mean it's being put to a good use it's not a landfill I, mean, I threw away like the card capter sakura figurines i got that were like ten dollars at the time that are now worth like thousands so that stings but yeah i had the original like first printing of like fruits basket card capter sakura like all the old like tokyo pop manga and i was like this isn't cool anymore. I gotta go get a nose piercing and donate all of this. So I got rid of it. Oh my god, my heart breaks. Yeah, mine too. I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance to ask you, Lua. But what what is your top tier list of anime? Oh, I am like a I'm a big Parasite fan because it's horror and I love that. Um, my like shonen like dumb thing is I love My Hero Academia. Uh, that show makes me cry so hard and I love it. Um. What else do I like? I love Samurai Champloo. That's one that like always sticks with me. It's just the best music. Everything about it is so good. Uh, gosh, honestly, there's a lot. I, I like Attack on Titan. I like the political meets like scary big things. They're really nice. I, I will never get to One Piece, but I'll, it'll be in my thoughts. Uh, I loved Castlevania. I guess if you consider that anime, I thought that was one of the best things yeah. I ever watched. So I like anything that is, I like nice romances. I like feel good anime and I like just bloody gross horror <laughs> thank you scrybabies uh lua and tori for taking the time I, I felt like it was cool i just got to learn a little bit more about the creative process what it's like to do behind the scenes stuff and also you you folks mentioned goals you know getting out of break even like getting uh more profitable being able to do more things and all that all that great stuff so what's the best place for people to find the two of you, where you would like to be found on the internet. Yeah, um, so we are Scrybabies MTG on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we have a link tree on there with all the ways to find us and support us. And then individually, I am Lewis Stardust. You can find me at lewisstardust.com with every link to every social platform I'm on. And this is Tori the Vast, and you could talk about yourself. 
Uh, yeah, you could find me mostly on TikTok and on Twitter at Tori the Best. Um, I do a lot of short form content on TikTok, a lot of dumb jokes. Uh, and then, yeah, check out our YouTube. I mean, honestly, anybody that's wanting to support our show, that's the best place to go. And also our Patreon. It is really awesome. We have a great community, especially the Discord. Yeah, we have very cool merch, too. We that's also on our show. Check out that link tree. And thank you for having us. Thanks this is so, so fun. I know. This has been a dream, honestly. Nope. Mm -hmm. No, no problem at all. It's the pleasure is all mine. And uh, I, there is one last question I want to ask. There is one. Is there something about introverted people that makes them better as content creators or funnier? Because just through this conversation, no offense, but I feel like Tori, you are extremely shy and introverted in, in a lot of ways, but your content really pops off and you have quite a large following on TikTok and Twitter and things like that. So I definitely want to ask Lou as well, but is there something about being introverted that lends itself well to to what you do? Obviously, you are you, so you can't speak for other people. Other people can't speak for you. But how how do you how do you manage to translate that into being a good content creator? Because I I feel like that that is such an interesting thing for me. So one of my favorite things about TikTok, and which actually was why I had a hard time at first in the first few episodes, I always joke around, if you watch them, I look like I'm having like war flashbacks, is because when I film for TikTok, I'm only filming myself. I'm filming myself in like a separate corner of a room somewhere. There's no cameras, there's no crowd, there's no pressure. It's just record, done, boom, send it out. Um, so it's easier for me to break out of my shell when I know it's like, I'm the only person seeing this right this second. If I'm embarrassed in the room, only I'm seeing it. That's okay. Uh, and also I feel like being an introvert, I do spend a lot of time like sitting on the couch, watching TikToks on my phone, which I actually do consider work because I'll be scrolling and I'll see something and I'll just be like, that's kind of funny. How can I spin that for me? So I, I think it's just one of those things where you also like can't be afraid to like, be authentic with your humor and your comedy because like if it's funny to you like it might be funny to somebody else too so okay. the only way to know is to shove it out there i think it's funny you say that because i always go i have my two extroverts which is my boyfriend ian and tori um i think you're definitely we're definitely like little introverted homebodies but i think you do such a good job of being extroverted anywhere we go. We went to Minneapolis. Every Lyft ride we went in, Tori knew, like, every driver's entire family history, where they grew up, like, literally everything you could think of. And I'm sitting in the corner, like, looking at my phone, like, what is happening? I don't know how to socialize. It's, it's funny because, like, I'm, I always say, like, I'm an introverted extrovert. Like, if there's three people in a room, I will talk about everything forever. But if you bring me to a party when there's 20 people, I'll be yeah. in the corner right. and I'll find some person and be like, so, uh, how did you feel about the Super Bowl halftime performance this year? And I'll just talk to them and mm -hmm. be like, I can hone in on you. So I'm, I'm always the front seat Uber person. Cause I'll be like, where are you from? I know you're not from here. Let's talk. <laughs> I have the, <laughs> the social anxiety for sure. Um, I think kind of what you were saying earlier about having that personality. It's almost like when you see a comedian and they're like, the depressed ones are always the funniest. Like, I think if, like, you've just lived a different life, you, you have a different sense of humor. But as far as, like, social stuff goes, um, I will, I'm very good at being extroverted when it's something I'm passionate about or something that I feel like is related to, like, our brand or personality. Like, I thrive at a magic con and then I sleep it th for three to four days at home after because that was way too much socialization yeah. for me, right? So it's a lot of that kind of, 
balance. Yeah. I also yeah. think, like, a good strength that I have to, like, flex is, like, I know I'm cringe. <laughs> I own that. To be cringe <laughs> is to be free. We were filming our video two days ago, and I was like, this is so stupid. But when it's all put together, it's going to be so dumb and so funny. And I don't care how dumb I look on your roof wearing your skirt around my neck as a cape. We're gonna laugh at it. Yeah, it's 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 truly something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just having that confidence, almost irrational confidence, Nobody to use a sports can make term, fun like of you, if you can make fun of you, it's one hundred percent that. But also, like, I don't want to be like I use Tori as a crutch, but like having her with me a lot really, really helps. And same with like my partner and stuff. It's it's nice to like know that we're not doing things alone, and that like really helps a lot too. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I do feel like there's a little bit of similarity. Like I, I thrive in this kind of like, I hate small talk too. I hate being in a room with a hundred people, but I could do this for a while. And I love having this deep conversations or like going deeper into some topics. And then after, and then after this today, I'll be good. You know, I don't need to talk to anybody mm -hmm. again. Then I'll need to recharge for 24 hours until the next, uh, humans of magic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you folks so much. Scrybabies, Lua and Tori, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, enjoy the rest of your, your evening. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you.